so as a kid, uh, one of my friends from university used to love looking for snakes during the summer, which sounds absolutely insane to me because I hate snakes. Um, and so one day he found a snake and he thought to himself, hey, this snake is going to make a really good pet. And so he, he, he picked it up and he, he carried it around with him and he showed it off to his friends and he, he wrapped it around his shoulders. And, and, and toward the end of the day, he thought, I can't wait to show my dad. <laughs> and so, so when he saw his father, he, he, he went up to him to, to show him his new pet and, and his, his dad turned white as a ghost. And he grabbed the snake and killed it. And, and Paul was like sobbing and, and couldn't understand why his dad would, would kill his, his new pet. Uh, until he, he found out that the, the snake he had been carrying around with him all day was a copperhead. Which is like one of the most aggressive and poisonous snakes that, that there are um, in, in that particular region. Maybe, maybe even in the world. And now, now, Paul was a kid. Like he had... He had no idea. Um, he was in the dark, if you will, and, and didn't realize how dangerous this was. I mean, to him, it was normal to carry snakes around, apparently. Um, and, uh, and, and so he didn't realize sort of how poisonous this particular snake was. But it's funny how, how we humans tend to do something like this, how, how we, we find certain things in life that maybe aren't particularly healthy or maybe even poisonous familiar. And, and normal. So thankfully, um, Paul's dad knew what kind of snake it was, and thankfully now, in this season, we are in the season of epiphany, um, which is this season of sort of like aha moments, of like becoming aware, of, of seeing more clearly in the light, and, and specifically as Christians, seeing more clearly in the light of God with us after Christmas. And so in this particular season that we celebrate, we're, we're asking this question, well, what do we do with the light? Now that Jesus has, has been born, now that the light of God is, is in the world with us, what are we going to do with it? Are we going to allow our eyes to adjust so that we can begin to see more clearly and more honestly? Uh, or would we rather just sort of close our eyes? And perhaps the darkness is, is just sort of comforting and for, and familiar to us. Um, maybe we want to close our eyes because the poison, whatever poison it may, it may be, is, is just sort of our, our pet, our beloved pet that we, we don't want to let go of. Well, today's story uh, in the book of Numbers is about snakes. Surprise, surprise. So um, join me in listening uh, as we read from Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 through 9. So they, God's people, who are, have been wandering in the wilderness for a long time, traveled from Mount Hor to, uh, along the route to the Red Sea to go around Edom. But the people grew impatient on the way. They spoke against God and against Moses and said, Why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There is no bread, there is no water, and we detest this miserable food. Then the Lord sent venomous snakes or, or fiery serpents among them. They bit the people and many Israelites died. Okay, so let's, let's just pause for a moment. Now, how many of you remember that, that we were in the book of Numbers for a long time before Christmas? Anyone? Okay, a, a few of you. I mean, perhaps you're like 
perhaps these are one of those things that you're like, I just prefer not to remember, like <laughs> sermons on the book of Numbers. Um, but l- let me remind you of this concept that we talked about quite a bit in the Bible, that there's often this tension or this struggle between seeing God's true character and projecting our own human pain and violence onto God. It's sort of this, this tangled mix of our human un- uh, struggle to understand who God is and, and who we are and what the difference is between the two. And so sometimes we get it wrong and sometimes we get it right. Many times we get it right and we see God's true character true and good character shining through. So having come out of Egypt, the idea of God for these people or the idea of the gods as violent seems normal. This is what they knew in Egypt. This was their experience of Pharaoh. Pharaoh, who was understood to be God on earth, who oppressed them and enslaved them. So, of course, the gods would act or behave in this way, and and maybe this God will behave in the same way as well. So when they experience something terrible and traumatic, it's not surprising that they begin, or that they assume well, God must have caused this. But, but as we continue reading, let's, let's hold on to the option at least that maybe it wasn't God. Maybe God wasn't the one who sent the snakes. Let's just, just entertain that thought for a little while. So continuing um, in verse 7. The people came to Moses and said, We have sinned when we spoke against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take the snakes away from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and the Lord said to Moses, Make a snake and put it on a pole. Anyone who is bitten can look at it and live. So Moses made a bronze snake, and he put it on a pole. Then when anyone was bitten by a snake and looked at the bronze snake, they lived. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. <laughs> so in Egypt, they, their lives were made bitter with hard labor, with slavery. Pharaoh wanted to kill their newborn sons, which is, is likely where Herod, we talked about Herod the last couple of weeks, it's likely where Herod got the idea of how to kill Jesus when Jesus was just a, a child. So in Egypt, they cried out to God, and God rescued them. God's character is revealed in the Exodus story as as compassionate and liberating. This is God's true and good character shining through. But but of course, healing from a lifetime of trauma, healing from from generational trauma, hundreds of years in slavery, it doesn't come easy and it doesn't come fast. So throughout their journey, there are plenty of new challenges, and when these new challenges arrive, they're sort of like triggers uh, for their fear and their anxiety. And when this happens, one of their first reactions is to turn back to what's most familiar, which is to turn back to Egypt. This seems like a a relatively common human reaction at times uh, to the challenges of life, But, but perhaps they're not remembering clearly the bitterness of their life in Egypt. Maybe they've forgotten the poisonous bite of Pharaoh. So they set out toward the Red Sea, which is going back to Egypt, back toward their enslavement, back toward their bitter labor, away from this life of freedom. 
Oscar Wilde once said that the only thing worse than not getting what you want is, anyone? Getting what you want. <laughs> this seems like a, something we should put on a poster in my house so that anytime my kids are complaining about something I'm not giving them, I can point at it. Um, or anytime um, I'm complaining, my wife can point at it. The only thing worse than not getting what you want is, is getting what you want. So the people wanted Egypt. And, and in this story, they, they get what Egypt has to offer them at, at this particular time and place. So, so picture, if you will, how, how pharaohs or how, how Egyptian leaders in movies or in cartoons are depicted. Can you picture this in your mind? Um, and can you picture them with, with crowns or with, with these specific headdresses on? Uh, can you picture that? Can you, you know what I'm talking about? Um, what creature is, is on the, the crowns of the Egyptian pharaoh? I'll give you a hint. It's not a camel. Of course, it's a snake, right? I mean, that's the only animal that would make sense in this sermon, right? So, so it's a snake. And so, so, um, so uh, the, the, the snake that is, that is depicted on, on the crown of, of, uh, of a pharaoh is, uh, is a cobra. Um, but it's also, it's the symbol, symbol of, of this Egyptian goddess in the form of a snake whose name literally means she who burns. So this was a, a, a snake considered the protector of the Egyptian kingdoms, and, and she would defeat her enemies by consuming them with fire. And here in this story, the snakes are literally described not just as snakes, but as fiery snakes. So we might ask again, so did God send these snakes, or, or is, is this the deadly bite of slavery that Pharaoh has to offer as they get closer and closer to Egypt once again? They got what they longed for, but they quickly realized that Egypt is not their pet. And so from this point on in the book of Numbers, for as many times as the people have complained and wanted to return to Egypt, from this point on, they no longer desire that direction in life. They, they turn back toward God. They, they see more clearly that they still need healing. And now in this epiphany season, we might be aware of how much we need healing. In this epiphany season, we might be aware of how much our society or our world needs healing in, in so many ways. So in, in this odd story, Moses creates a bronze snake, which he places on a pole. And then when the people look at it, they're healed. And now this is strange, obviously, a, a strange story. But, but I'm guessing that this image is something that's probably familiar to all of us. I mean, pull out your like health insurance card or, or look at an ambulance the next time you, it, it goes by. There's a good chance that you're going to see a snake on a pole. Right? Because in the medical community for the longest time and in, in so many different cultures, this, this is a symbol of healing. Right? That, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, so, so later in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man, or so Jesus himself, will be lifted up. 
So here, Jesus is comparing the bronze snake in this obscure story in the book of Numbers to him being lifted up on a cross. So if the bronze snake gave healing in life, what is what does the cross mean? What does this gigantic thing that we have at the front of our sanctuary mean? What do we see when we look at the cross and when we think about Jesus lifted up just as this snake is lifted up in the wilderness? Two things to consider. Throughout history and in so many cultures, snakes are symbols of both healing and evil, right? Two very, very different things. Even in this story, the snakes kill and the symbolic snake heals. So we can see sort of, sort of um, the contrast. The, the cross is no different. It's a symbol of human violence and evil, and it's God's healing response. I, I mean, we realize, right, that this, this giant cross in the front of our sanctuary, sanctuary um, is an instrument of torture and death. Right? Like, we realize that. That in, in the Roman world, people were nailed to this on a pretty regular basis to make sure that they did what Rome wanted them to do. And yet today, it's this symbol that we put on walls and we, we have in our sanctuaries and we get tattoos and, and we, we wear jewelry that has this symbol. This, this symbol of torture and death is, has become this symbol of healing and life. I mean, can you imagine if Jesus came along during the French Revolution? We, we might have a guillotine, like, at the front of our sanctuary. And, I mean, it wouldn't be nearly as easy to, to tattoo onto your body. Um, or perhaps it's more important to ask... What would be on our wall or what would be on the walls of future generations if the gospel took place here in the United States? What future generation um, worshiping God, what, what would they have as a symbol of, of both death and, and torture or, or life and healing? Would we have guns on our wall as this reminder of, of God's healing response to the violence of the world. Perhaps with our, our racial, um, our, our, our history of, of racial injustice, we would have a, a, a noose hanging from a tree. The, the black community has certainly seen the similarities between their experience of nooses hanging from a tree and the cross. The light reveals the poison. The light reveals the violence and the injustice. The light reveals the pain and the wounds. And the light offers us a way toward healing. So, last comment. Uh, I, I'm guessing that, that most of us have, have not at least noticed this particular verse um, in the Gospel of John, where Jesus talks about the, Moses lifting up the snake in, in the wilderness. It's, it's not the most familiar verse that, that we talk about uh, as Christians, right? Has anyone noticed this verse before? Um, it's not particularly familiar, but the verse that comes right afterwards is pretty familiar. 
So the, the, this conversation about Jesus, about this snake being lifted up in, in the wilderness compared to Jesus' experience on the cross is what lays the foundation for perhaps the most famous verse in the entire Bible. For God so loved the world. Have you heard that one? John, John 3, 16. Right after. In fact, when it says for, for God so loved the world, the for is coming directly out of this conversation about Moses lifting up the snake in the wilderness. For God so loved the world. The snake lifted up in the desert is an act of God's healing love. The cross is an act of God's self-giving and healing love. It's a light revealing the poison, and it's a light offering us a way toward healing. Perhaps our world needs a little bit more of this light right now. Perhaps our world and, and all of us need a little bit more of this, of this healing right now. The light shines into the darkness, and we're invited to see more clearly and more honestly, or, or we can decide to close our eyes. But the light is shining. How will we respond? How will we see? Please join me as we pray. Jesus, we pray that you continue to open up our eyes, as difficult as it may be in so many ways. Open up our eyes to see more clearly and more honestly, and open up a way for us to experience your healing and your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.